Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me this week again, I have recruited the Brothers of Destruction, the Slime Time Generals, the Keepers of the Quests. I don't fucking know, I lost it. Nate and <laughs> Willie, how, how are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing great, man. Glad to be here again, as usual. Goo evening. Goo evening. Um, yeah, man. Fucking Dragon Quest Eleven. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been looking forward to playing this game uh, in its entirety and for a long ass time. For a long ass time. Um, and before we get into that, though, I want to go ahead and get this stuff out of the way. So it is today the one year anniversary since the podcast started. And it's a cool feeling, man. It's a cool feeling. It's uh, it's the first time I've stuck with something for over a year in a long time. <laughs> uh, between this and, and doing the music that I've been doing now for like a year, maybe maybe a little more than a year now. Um, it's been real fun, man. It's been real fun. I uh, So I figured I would, you know, talk about some of my, my favorite memories. Um, Ryan, unfortunately, uh, could not make it for this episode, but... I'm sure he sends his uh, condolences and love to everybody who came and listened to us in the beginning and uh, stuck with it. Uh, it's much appreciated. It's much appreciated. And um, and you know, having people come on and be guests like James from the JRPG Report or you know Nate and Willie coming in clutch when uh, I wasn't sure that I was going to have <clears throat> a host or anybody to talk to for a while after when, uh, when Ryan had to bow out. Um, it's been... Like I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, it means a lot that uh, everybody like has been listening for an entire fucking year. Like the fact that I've got as many downloads as we have uh, is is quite humbling, and I uh, I do appreciate it quite a bit. Um, but I figured that we would talk about, or I could like bring up some of my uh, favorite memories looking through these old episodes and stuff. And then you guys can chime in if you have listened to that episode. Cause I don't expect either of you to have listened to every single episode because well, you know, there's like years worth of them now. I've listened to every <laughs> single episode. Ha- oh my God. Well then there you go. Motherfucker <laughs> surprising the shit out of me. Um, the, f- the first episode that we did, uh, was serious Sam and, uh, I'm looking at it and at the amount of uh, downloads it's got, and I'm like, I'm really glad that I went back and put something in the beginning of that one that was like, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, the sound quality's gotten better since we did this because I was doing it on some busted ass turtle beaches with like mm-hmm. the the microphone from that, and it just it wasn't super good quality, but it's it's gotten better as time has gone on. Um, but it's it, what's interesting to me is. Uh, the the popularity between certain games like it's really it's really interesting to look at like for instance um, Serious Sam had 50, 55 has had 55 listens right as opposed to E7 which has had uh, which was part 1 and 2 which has 20 and 15 respectively hmm. you know so it's, it's, it's wild that like you can kind of tell w- which games people seek out to listen about more and it's, it's Man, the, the, the analytics interest to me. 
just had that thought of maybe people find multi-part JRPG episodes a little uh, intimidating. Then I realized, uh-oh. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better well, start believing in multi-part JRPG episodes, Miss Turner. You're in one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I didn't think about that. But you know what? Buckle up, motherfuckers, because it's going to happen anyway. You. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's, here's an interesting one to me. So Persona 4, when we did Persona 4, it was three parts. Like, it took a while. And episode one and episode three have more listens than episode two. So I, I don't understand. Like, there are some people who just <laughs> listened to part one and then part three and just didn't listen to part two. It's, I don't know. It's just funny to me. They got lost. Um, <laughs> but as far as, like, some of my favorite games that I did for the show, there's there's been a handful that I really, like, that stick out to me. Um, the first one being The Last Tinker, The City of Colors. Um went into that not expecting much uh it was just you know it's just a game that i had had in my list i got it in a bundle it maybe cost me 10 cents for that game for you know like you know whatever the two or three dollars for the whole bundle and that turned out to be a really really good game i was it was like a little hidden gem of a platformer and uh i really really enjoyed it and that's one of the episodes that hasn't gotten a ton of listens to it, but that, and that's a shame in my opinion, because like, I feel like more people need to know about that game because those developers, uh, me, me, me games, M I M I M I really deserve to, uh, have more people check that out, especially since they just made that as like a, Hey, let's see if we can make a video game type thing. Yeah. The funny thing is I remember listening to that episode when I was going through the backlog and thinking, man, this game sounds awesome. Still haven't checked it out. So I'm garbage. (laughs) But it was a I, really fun energy you guys brought to that episode. Like, you guys were so pleasantly surprised that this game was actually, like, really cool and, like, had some interesting ideas to it. Yeah, I, I feel like that game was the complete opposite of when we dove into Corpse Party Blood Drive. Because <laughs> that was a fun episode, too, though. <laughs> God, my, my whole issue with Blood Drive was I heard resoundingly good things about the first Corpse Party. Like... Everyone said that the game was fantastic, and then uh, I didn't hear much about the second game. So when I saw uh, Blood Drive, I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll check that out." So and then it came up for the show, and man, it—it's one of those games where you just have to run and hide a lot. But it was wonky, and just it just didn't work. And that game fucking sucked. God, that game fucking sucked. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I'm sure it's got its fans, as as everything does. But. Like Nate said, though, I mean, that was a fun episode, too, because it was a completely different energy. There aren't a lot of episodes of the show where you found a game that you just absolutely had very little nice to say about. You guys had, I felt like you had fun messing with that game, you know? Like, you know, decrying it. Oh, yeah, I had, I had a blast. And that's the thing, is that Steamy, so far, uh, even up to this date, has been very nice. And and it may be that like I haven't bought a ton of shit games, but I do know that I have gotten a lot of bundles in order to get the uh, numbers of where the the library is at to where it's at. And man, there are some ones that I'm real worried about when they come up. <laughs> um, there 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 are gonna be some that like we might all three just play for twenty thirty minutes and then be like. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all you need. 
I almost asked you to name some names and then I realized, oh yeah, voting. Maybe we shouldn't give them ammunition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, very fair. Uh, They already want to torture me trying to get me Blair Witch, which is just going to scare the shit out of me. That's still such an interesting vote. So anyone who isn't in the Patreon yet, we have a vote for the next normal-length episode. My bad, the Discord. I've been plugging the Discord every episode I'm on, and I I said the wrong thing. But uh, it's currently a tie (laughs) vote between Yakuza 0 and Blair Witch. Like, there's like eight votes each or something like that. Like, I... I it's a stalemate and those are such wildly different experiences. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that like one's just this, you know, narrative horror game and this other one's just this wildly Japanese beat 'em up type game and I I I mean I would be happy with either of them. I do enjoy a good horror game that scares me. Um which, you know, another episode that we did Resident Evil 7. Whoo, that game scared the shit out of me and like I can't imagine uh, Eric from Factory Seal talking about playing that game in VR. No, thank you. Oh man, so you I would shit here, my pants. You could be the one to make us decide which game that comes up to next. <laughs> Just join yeah. the Discord. Plug. Come plug, join plug. the Discord. Um, Steam was it? Uh, the Steam Machine Podcast WordPress um, has all the links. There's a link to the Discord. There's a link to the Twitch. Uh, there's also a link to the Patreon that uh, Willie mentioned. Um, there is uh, links to my music. There's all, everything you need about the show. Everything that you could possibly want. You can even listen to the episodes of the show on the website. Um, so check it out. SteamMachinePodcast.wordpress.com Housekeeping's done. Good episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to name... So I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 games that are rated mostly negative in my Steam library. Now, this is not all of my games. This is just on Steam. Um, Farming World. Demon's Gate. Spiritual Warfare and Wisdom Tree Collection. uh, Deus Ex The Fall. Disciples 3 Resurrection. Extinction, which I do not agree with. Extinction is really fun. I do not know why that's rated mostly negative. Um, Jezebel. Better Late Than Dead, CTU Counterterrorism Unit, Mystical, Space Overlords, Drill Arena, Hostage Rescue Mission, and World Ship Simulator. World Ship Simulator is the worst game on my list according to Steam's ranking units. Yeah, we looked into some of those games too, and there were different reasons why they were ranked so poorly. Like Some of them were just like sloppy mobile ports, some of them were really promising titles they just completely like shit the bed on release and i don't know there's a lot of weird experiences waiting for us i think yeah for sure there's like a world ship simulator like most of the comments are just like uh i mean the game's not bad but like every other game does it better <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to get to those and I, you know once if i play through extinction for the show and play through it all because I've only played I don't know 20 minutes of it or so um, I might end up fucking hating it you never know but it might be one of those that I don't you know I, that there's going to be instances where we don't agree with the majority of people I assume yeah in both cases we'll come into instances where we don't agree with each other you know oh yeah those will, oh those are going to be fun oh those episodes are going to be fun I'm like, what forward to it. you're fucking high 
then you're like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. So what? Want to fight about it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Um, again, you know, again, real quick, um, the most listened to episode that we've got uh, for the the entirety of the, the show is actually an episode that Ryan had to bail out. I don't remember why, um, but it was last minute and I was struggling. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, God what am I supposed to do? I don't know how I'm going to talk about Doki Doki Literature Club by myself. Like, I really wanted to talk to Ryan about his first experience with it because it wasn't my first experience through it. You know what I mean? So, I called my buddy Chris who happened to be in town hanging out at his mom's house and I said, Hey, buddy. What are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm not doing anything, man. You want to hang out? Absolutely. I said, I got some bud and I need to play through a game for the show. You want to be on the podcast? And he gets real quiet. He goes, Fuck yeah, I want to be on the podcast. And I said, all right. So I come and I picked him up. And it went from, fuck yeah, I want to be on the podcast to, yeah, man, I'll be ready when you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine, man. I'm, I'm fine. We'll, we'll, we got this. No, I, I promise. I promise I'm fine. Man, I'm really nervous. I, I was like, Chris. I was like, Chris. <laughs> It'll be all right, man. But uh, yeah, dude, I picked him up at like, I don't know, six, seven o'clock at night. And we sat there and played through the entirety of Doki Doki Literature Club in one sitting. And I think we ended up, I, don't, I haven't listened back to the episode in a while, but I want to say that I ended up saying that we were recording, it was like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And it was really interesting to me to sit there with somebody who had never experienced that game. And when it started getting weird, I would just start looking over at Chris and his facial expressions were just fantastic. <laughs> and... uh then just talking with him and getting his experiences with it and everything like he was super nervous but i did get him to loosen up a little bit before we got on mic and uh he's told me before he's like well next time i won't be as nervous and i'm like that's the thing you just got to get that first one out of the way man then you're fine you know what i mean it's, it's getting over that initial believe me i had it with serious sam and the first one like i had those nerves and i'm sure like you guys uh nate i think you said you were nervous about hollow knight yeah, at first. That's, that's definitely true. It's like, cause like I've been streaming for a little bit at the point where we recorded that, but it was like a totally different experience to me because like you know this is your brand and I'm coming into it. Otherwise, like on stream, I'm you know I'm just doing myself. But at this point, I'm like, yeah, I'm comfortable here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was lucky that my first episode was a game that I'm incapable of shutting the hell up about. So even though I was nervous, once I got opened up, it's like, nope, here comes five hours of Doom talk if you don't stop me. <laughs> Oh yeah, man, you came in clutch with that. Like that was a good recommendation on Nate's part, where he was like, "We should bring Willie in on this because he knows a lot about Doom." And I was like, "Absolutely, let's do it." And it was a match made in heaven. What do you know? Or in hell. Or in hell. What's a Kevin Smith does? Man, 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 man. But yeah, man. The so like. It just blows my mind that that episode that I threw together with Chris because I was panicking is the most listened to episode of the entire show. <laughs> but it goes back to uh, what games people are looking for. You know what I mean? And uh, Doki Doki is one of those, like we were talking about before we went live, uh, Willie, and you can expand on this if you want, that it's a game that like it's it's fun to seek out what other people think about it. Yeah, I, I listened to that one. I was one of the ones I skipped out of order just to listen to that one, just because that sh that game is 
like such an experience that I like watched multiple playthroughs of it just to watch how people react to certain scenes in it because it just takes people by surprise so much even if you kind of think you know what's going to happen yeah yeah for sure you know what's interesting to me too is that okay so have you played the game yourself or have you just watched people play it I played through it and then immediately watched a playthrough of it afterward because I was like that was crazy did you choose Yuri or Natsuki Yuri it got every fucking bot dude i have not seen natsuki's side of it once because i played through and got yuri the second time i played through i picked yuri chris played through picked yuri (laughs) well let's see who do i want to play who do i want to play this game with could i hang out with like the really smart elegant girl who's shy and nice to me or the mean child yeah fair (laughs) fair uh and i feel like the game is almost leads you to yuri you know, like yeah, yeah, I agree. Without without really leaning, that game is really good at leading you without leading you, like uh, in like inference and just little things that they say almost like make you go in that direction. It's it's really it's a really cool concept. I hope to see that guy do more stuff. Eventually, um, I'm just looking through the uh, the episode. I enjoyed doing Fallout Four, except uh, I fucked that one up completely. That's why it's still on the list uh, because. That was in the beginning stages of my learning how to really mod mod a game, and uh, I completely fucked my game. <laughs> um, if I do have a recommendation, other than the Last Tinker uh, City of Colors, for any anybody, it would absolutely have to be um, the Talos Principle. Sorry, I, my mind blanked for a second. The Talos Principle is so fucking good. I cannot stress enough. Like, if you like puzzle games, if you're a fan, did you did you like Portal? Absolutely, play the Talos Principle. There is a reason that here. Let me uh, hop over to the Steam store real quick. And I know we talked about this on the episode too. Uh, there's a reason that this game got a nine out of ten, a nine out of ten, a nine point five out of ten, a five out of five, a nine out of ten, and a hundred out of a hundred from like all the major places and the game won a ton of awards it's overwhelmingly positive on uh, steam it's just the game is so fucking good dude i cannot stress that enough but i'm also a big fan of puzzle games if you do not like puzzle games you're probably gonna be like this game fucking sucks but man just uh, talk about a game that makes you really think about your existence while playing a puzzle game i don't know how to explain it man (laughs) But it's just, it's really, really, really good. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I do believe we had uh, two people write in. I have to go see if I can find where that was at. I know uh, Kana did say that uh, she she was like, I'm tired because I just got off work, so I can't think of anything right now. But like, uh, Dagoth Wave is an earworm that I now know of because of the show and I listen to all the time. And uh, I believe it was Jeff. Jeff said that he doesn't really have a favorite episode, but in general, it's it's good stuff to listen to. Uh, keep it up. It's great stuff. So I, I do appreciate y'all uh, writing in and giving, giving me something to read. I agree with that. It is great stuff to listen to. Hi. I like to think so. I try. If I were to pick out a favorite <laughs> episode personally, ones that I really enjoyed, 
other than Hollow Knight, of course, um, <laughs> were the Skyrim episodes because, you know, just the passion that you have for that particular series of games is just exciting to listen to. And I thought Hyper Pixie did a great job when she was guesting on there, too. And also really enjoyed the Bug Snacks episode because that was a game that I saw ads for. And y'all were just like, you know, let's just go for this new game right now. And it was really cool to see you guys play something that was like that fresh and relevant and made me really interested in the game as well. So I thought that was pretty neat. And then, of course, listening to you talk about Wonder Boy, I could, like, how much you have a passion and love for that series from way back when, just listening to that Wonder Boy episode was also really nice to hear. Yeah, man, I, Wonder Boy is so fun. <laughs> it's such a cool game, man. And Bug Snacks, yeah, Bug Snacks was one that I told Ryan, I said, uh, we're playing this because I really want to fucking play this game. I was like, and this might bring in some new, some new eyes and ears uh, for people looking for an episode for Bug Snacks. And uh, it it it's sitting at sixty nine. Nice. nice, nice. And uh, yeah, that that game was really deeper than I thought it would be. Like I was thinking it was just gonna be like this little cutesy, uh, like Pokemon type clone. And in a way, it is, man. But the like the story of it, fuck, whew. that game gets deep, dude. <laughs> yeah, it sounded and way cooler than it had any right to be. It was. It was absolutely way cooler than it had any right to be, and it uh it left its ending open for a an, another game. So I'm looking forward to if they do a sequel. Like that would be pretty cool. Similarly, if I had to go for an episode that I thought like really grabbed me, especially from the early ones, I really liked the Outer Worlds one because it seemed like you guys like you both played the game differently, but you both had like a lot of enthusiasm for the actual narrative of the game so it was almost like just hearing you guys storytelling from this world and i'd never played the game before but i had a pretty vivid image of what was going on just hearing you guys talk about the decisions you made the kind of path your character took and the kind of person that they became you know yeah and that's one reason i i like the uh the game experiences where it's like the outer world or uh skyrim um fallout 4 those because it is completely possible for the people like me and Ryan or like me and you guys to play completely differently, you know, like, especially there's going to be some of the older, uh, excuse me, the older RPG games that come up and, you know, you can play through the whole game without killing anybody if you want to, or you can go through guns blazing Duke Nukem, kill them all style. You know, or you can do a mixture of the both. You know, you want to be a thief. Do you want to go steal a bunch of stuff? Do you want to be a fucking warrior? Do you want to be a mage? There's so many different choices that you can make that will build a narrative. And it's going to be interesting to have more of those episodes come up and us be able to just hash out how we did it. Like, because that's one of the reasons I really enjoy role playing games is because you can kind of put yourself into the main character. And, and I guess more specifically Western RPGs I'm talking about because usually JRPGs you have a character and you get to know that character and you fall in love with that character but you aren't the character is not you per se whereas more so in Western RPGs like you create your character you are that character you know you can kind of put yourself into it so that's why like when I played Skyrim it was like yeah I did main story quests and stuff like that but I was a fucking relic hunter I wanted to fill my museum up that was my main goal whereas ryan wanted to slay all the dragons he could and make dragon bone armor and that all that kind of stuff so like he had his own goals um and then the same thing 
with Fallout, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for, you know, if if you guys would continue to grace me with your presence, of course. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to do that, and I'm very interested to see how it will branch out, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah, games where you, like, there is a main plot, but you're kind of setting your own goals. Like, I, I do love that stuff because, I don't know, like, Skyrim is very much the kind of game where it's like, I know I'm supposed to be doing stuff, but, you know, I'd really rather just play hide-and-seek with the kids and go find a bunch of butterfly wings and just be a complete dipshit and not do anything important, even though I'm the only one that can save the world. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fun to just make your own goals in a game, and I kind of like that sandboxy approach when every... When, you know, when it feels fulfilling, like when the game actually pulls it off. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to, like, Oblivion. Um, yeah. Morrowind. Uh, even Daggerfall. Like, man. that'll be wild, man. Cause I, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and just go ahead and say, when Daggerfall comes up, we're, I'm going to make us play the Unity version because that one's just updated and more user-friendly. It's not nearly as frustrating as the original Daggerfall could be, because the original Daggerfall had very old-school controls. Um, in fact, I believe the first Daggerfall, it was all on the keyboard. There was no mouse, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. But Unity Daggerfall kind of brings it into a new game engine. It brings it into Unity, really, and just uh, makes it run smoother. And there's a couple mods that'll like put more townspeople in so the game's not nearly as barren, yada, yada, yada. It should be fun, um, but then like other 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 narrative games, uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, that's gonna be a fucking great game when it comes up on the show eventually. Um, do you guys know anything about Kingdoms of Amalur? Nope, not at all. So I don't want to get this wrong. So let me go to the wiki real quick, and then after we talk about this, we can wrap this up and then dive into some Dragon Quest. But wiki, 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 wiki. This is where Truncate Silence comes in. <laughs> well, you have to stop talking for Truncate Silence to work. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so, the uh, Ken Ralston, the lead designer on Morrowind and Oblivion, was the game's exclusive designer. Um, and then the R.A. Salvatore created the game universe and lore, and Todd McFarlane did the artwork. Todd McFarlane, huh? Yeah, so like, <laughs> so like the dude who made two of my favorite RPGs ever, R.A. Salvatore, and then Todd McFarlane, both of them, along with you know the like I said, Ken Rolston, like that's a fucking major, major, uh, major crew there. Uh, but this game did not do as well as it should have. <laughs> oh hey, I've pulled up the. Um wikipedia page for this too and it looks like grant kirkhope did the uh, composition too oh wow yeah it's a big rareware composer yeah donkey kong country and all those games it's awesome oh man dude donkey kong country's got such good music you're telling me man some of my favorite soundtracks in all of video games period there's a uh, there's a snes drunk shout out the snes drunk there's a video that he has that's like three hours of relaxing SNES music and I'll put it on to go to sleep sometimes and there's a Donkey Kong Country song pretty early on in that playlist that is just so good dude it's like the jungle song or I think 
it, it's just very soothing. It sound it doesn't sound like it should be in a Donkey Kong game. It sounds like it should be on a Dark Wave album or something. <laughs> and I, 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 I love it. Was, it. Uh, I think it was like a hard drive or one of those similar magazine article or you know fake news fake headline like joke pages or whatever where the headline was just man tasked to write song about dong or monkey riding a fish accidentally creates piece of transcendent art (laughs) you know dk riding the uh the swordfish that's awesome (laughs) i love it i love it um but yeah man so uh, again i just I'm happy everyone has stuck around for, for the whole year. I, I, it means a lot. You know, uh, I hella appreciate you guys for uh, coming in and filling in where I needed some stuff to be filled. You know, usually the butthole, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Promises, ah, promises. Ah, ah, ah. Um, I will say one last thing. One episode that did way better than I thought it would was West of Loathing. That was recent, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, last month. And... It, it's gotten higher than I thought it would. Uh, it's not, it's not closing in on Doki Doki at all, but still, it's it's way higher than I thought for just a little thirty minute episode that I'm pretty sure I did West of Loathing by myself. I think yeah, I was, you did. I'm pretty sure that was a solo one, man. Yeah, you're yeah. just over there happily talking about cows and stuff, and it was fun to listen to. God, that game's so fun, dude! It's so ridiculous, and I love the art style. I love absolutely love the art style, and uh, oh, you know what? We can go ahead and say that too because. Once we start talking about Dragon Quest, there's a good chance I'm going to forget. Speaking of art styles, so um, the short poll ended for the next short game. And it had come down to a tie between Dragon, a game about a dragon, and Leisure Suit Larry 2. And uh, I broke the tie, and I chose Dragon, a game about a dragon. And the reason I did is strictly... Because of the art style in that game, it's so cool to look at, yo. Hopefully, people. I don't can't get wait confused. to try it. Out. <laughs> Hopefully, people don't get confused when they start looking through your backlog. Dragon Quest Eleven Part One, Dragon, a game about a dragon. Dragon Quest Eleven Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's just, it's Dragon Month. <laughs> it's dragons all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll move from Dragon Quest to Dragon Age, and just keep <laughs> keep keep the flow going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the art style it, it looks like it's drawn with crayons. Yeah, I looked that up. It I, looked really neat. It really does. So I'm hand drawn, cool stuff. I'm very interested in checking that out because I I do appreciate a game with a really cool art style. Uh, Hollow Knight being one of them, um, Cuphead being another, mm. and Wonder Boy, the uh, mm. the, re- the remake of Wonder Boy, which just that hand drawn look to it just looks fantastic. So. I'm looking forward to checking that out. That'll that'll be next week, uh, while we slowly keep chipping away at the game of the week. Maybe I'll throw some reverb on that, and make it sound cool. <laughs> uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Now, if you've been listening for this long, or if you've skipped through all the bullshit in the beginning, hi, welcome to the episode. <laughs> Uh, so Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, this is not my first time playing through it, but I have not played through it in at least a year, and I've never beaten it. Now, from what I've been told, Willie, this was your first time through it, correct? 
Yes, this is my first time playing Dragon Quest XI or Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, which, yes, I just looked that up to make sure I said all those words right. I'm not that big of a nerd, sorry. That is a fucking mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) That's a a chunky salad right there, man. Very. And then, Nate, this is one of your... Actually, you know what? Let's just go ahead. Tell us. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Start gushing. Yeah, this game's incredible. It's one of my favorite games of all time period at this point. And yeah, this was actually, honestly, only my second playthrough of it. And I'm enjoying it just as much the second time, if not more. So, hey, hey. Yeah, man. Uh, and that was why I knew, like, when it when it came up, I was like, well, I, I know Nate's at least keyed in for sure. Because uh, I know he fucking loves Dragon Quest, man. You know, if you go and check out Nate on Twitch, you can redeem some channel points and see him hug a slime. You know, the motherfucker loves Dragon Quest, for sure. Um, so it's been a few, it's been a few months since I played the beginning of this game because I did start from my save that I already had, so I did not have to go through the beginning game stuff again. Um, but in retrospect, I should have because I don't really remember what happened. So. Um, I'm going to lean on you guys for the first little bit, um, but I would like to get, really get Willie's opinion here at first. Like, what were your first impressions going in, and have they changed since then? You know, like what what was the dynamic that you got from it? If that okay. So uh, to start off with, the very first thing you notice about Dragon Quest Eleven is this art style. It's very vibrant colors. The characters are all like cell shaded with his like texturing on it, and the uh, character art, including the monster art, is all done by Akira Toriyama, the guy most famous for the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z series. Um, but it's this fantasy world. It's extreme. Like it's so bright and colorful and cool looking. And the thing that made me most happy about entering that world was I have fond memories of Dragon Quest VIII, which was a game I had for the PlayStation Two, that I never got to finish because the game actually got destroyed in a move. So I, I I never got to finish, even though I was at least halfway through. I was past the part that you would know what I would mean if you, yeah. Uh, but it's a so I got to be back in that kind of universe again. And then you get into it, and the game is happily throwing all these little throwbacks to the Dragon Quest series. Like it's a game that's lovingly built on the roots. And even though there's some of the games that I've never played, some that were never even released in America or not until they were remade for DS, like. The references I'm picking up on, like, as I'm playing, because I played, you know, 1, 2, 3, and parts of 7 and 8, it's like, oh, like, every bit of it is just, like, designed to just bring a smile to your face. And even if it's your first time in the series, there's just something so, like, charming and immediately accessible about the world that it's easy to get, like, sucked right into it. Yeah, I... I completely agree. Like, when you you first load it up and you, you start going in, man, my first thought was damn this game is cool like as far as that's not the right word pretty <laughs> damn this game is pretty like what, why did i say cool what the fuck is wrong it's pretty cool oh, this game's cool <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go drink a monster punch a hole in a wall um the, the game is really pretty um the colors like you said vibrance they fucking pop off the screen dude like it is immediately very eye-catching. Like, if somebody were walking by, they w- they probably couldn't help but look over at the screen to see what it is because it really is. It just jumps off at you. Um, the contrast of them are very good. Yeah, it's like this fetching cross between, like, the anime art style of Akira Toriyama with this, like, 
storybook cartoon brightness that just really looks cool together. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something and I was expecting like Nate to chime in or something. So I, was like, <laughs> I just got quiet. really quiet there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got disconnected. <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, I was I was reading something. Um, so now that we've we've kind of touched on, because I wanted to you know see like you know, what your first impression of it was, uh, we have the obligatory Wikipedia bullshit, and that would be that. Dragon Quest XI Echoes of Elusive Age is a role-playing video game developed and published by Square Enix, an entry in the long-running Dragon Quest video game series. It was released for Japan for the Nintendo 3DS and PlayStation 4 in 2017, and then worldwide for PlayStation 4 and Microsoft Windows in September of 2018. In an enhanced version, Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition was released for the Nintendo Switch in September of 2009, for PlayStation 4, Windows, and Xbox One in December of 2020, and for Stadia, for who fucking cares. <laughs> one, of the f- one of the first games announced for the Switch, uh, the game was originally conceived to be fully open world, but the idea was g- discarded when it conflicted with the story the developers wanted to tell. Uh, to increase the awareness of the Dragon Quest franchise in the West, support for Microsoft Windows and features such as voice, voiced English dialogue and 4K resolution were included. Elements late, added later included an expanded plot and an option to listen to the orchestral version of the sound of the score. Which is fantastic. Um, is so good. Uh, while many critics consider Dragon Quest XI to be the best in the series, as well as one of the best contemporary JRPGs overall, some have formed a view that the game was overly traditional and non-innovative. The the game shipped over 6 million copies by September 2020. The game's protagonist, The Luminary, has also been featured in crossover media such as Super Smash Bros. series. Now, there's a few things in this one fucking paragraph I just read that I would like to touch on. Uh, But there's one I think that we're going to rant a little more about than the other. So let's start with, it is amazing to me that this came out on the 3DS. No joke, dude. Like, no kidding. How? How? Like, <laughs> um, I know that the characters were more chibi-like, I think, but even still, like, good lord, there's a lot of game. That is, there's a ton of game, and, like, unfortunately, like, I've only played the definitive edition version of the game. Well, I'm not going to say unfortunately, because that's what you want to play, but it's like, I don't know what was added and what like what's new to this version and what's not for the most part, so I'm curious how much is new versus how much was in the DS version to begin with, because... This is a huge, this is a big chonker of a game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I have the original uh, Dragon Quest XI on PlayStation 4. Um, and I got further in the Switch version than I did in the in the PlayStation 4 version. Um, I can tell you that in the PlayStation 4 version, um, or you know, the, the non-definitive edition, um, you could only use the Forge at campfires. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not get a horse hailer. That you... You had to use the bells. Um, you did not have nose for treasure that I remember. You had to go find that shit on your own. <coughs> um, Tickington or talking, talk, Tockleton, Tickington, Tickington, right? Tickington, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's so many tick tock, yeah. tickles and I get it. I get tongles. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tickington was not included, but the those things were. And let me tell you, playing through Dragon Quest and not being able to figure out what those little things were on PS4, because they were there, but you couldn't talk to them. They were, they were just the ones that would disappear yeah, when you got too close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was never... I mean, honestly, like I said, I never beat the game on PS4, but 
to the point that I got to, it never was explained. And I was like, what the fuck are they? I, I think to that point, they would have been explained-ish towards the like third ending of the game <laughs> or whatever. But until that point, I think you'd be really kind of lost with what those guys are supposed to be. But I think it's probably part of the mystery of it. But with that being said, I think having them as interactable characters earlier in the game makes it more relatable. I yeah. found it absolutely shocking that Tickington wasn't in the original game because I'm only 25 hours in. That would be like one of the main selling points of the game to me right now. Like if I wanted to tell somebody like an elevator pitch for the game that was a little familiar with the Dragon Quest series, I would point them in that direction. And I almost don't want to talk about it yet because I don't know where we're in, in spoiler territory, but it, it does some neat stuff. It's an entirely cool quest. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll touch on it in a second. We'll throw up the spoiler warning for anybody. But, I mean, I feel like if people are listening to this, they're probably expecting spoilers. But we'll still we'll throw the spoiler warning before we start getting into the actual uh, meat and potatoes of it. Um, I think that spoiler is a weird word for Dragon Quest too, because uh, the series is kind of an all-ages series, and uh, it leans heavy on the foreshadowing and the storybook tropes, at least for the start of the game. So, like... Nothing we're going to cover here is not something you would not have figured out from playing the game for five hours, or is like a mild surprise at best. Yeah, the only thing that kind of moderately yeah. spoilers be plot points and etc., which we will touch on a little bit, but I think we should veil all that in a section to itself as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing in this that so I I I appreciate the you know. English dialogue and the 4K, all of that. Like, I appreciate that. But, like, what bothered me about this was the... A lot of critics consider it to be the best in the series. It's one of the best contemporary JRPGs overall. I completely agree there. Um, if I were to give you my top two JRPGs right now... Persona they would be 5 Quest Eleven. Yep, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Persona 5, Dragon Quest Eleven. They are the top tier. Absolutely. 100%. And Ease 8 might be up there too once I beat that because that game is really good. Um, but the the fact that some have formed a view that the game was overly traditional and non-innovative. Eat my shorts. I have a huge fucking problem with that because what was the reaction to Final Fantasy when they changed shit up to be new? Right. Everyone flipped the fuck out and said, I, wa I want my fucking shit to be turn-based. I don't know why I made it British, but you know, he's, I want. I want Voice to be, actors are contagious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I want it to be turn-based. I want it to, you know, don't change what's good. And then 15 came out, and they're like, "Oh my God, you made Kingdom, you made it Kingdom Hearts." Which and and Grim, if you're listening, I'm not hating on you. I'm just using what you told me as an example. Like, you turned it into Kingdom Hearts, but then on the same hand, Dragon Quest comes out, releases a fantastic fucking game that did not change anything and kept it to the same as ever. And then people are gonna bitch about that too. It's almost like people just like Dragon to complain. Quest. It's almost like people just bitch to bitch. And Dragon Quest is a series that's really, I mean, you can pick it up at any point, but it's really rooted in nostalgia. It's like the most popular game series in Japan and like the people that grew up playing the Nintendo games are now like our age because we're people that grew up playing <laughs> Nintendo games. And this is like a comfy, warm blanket to them. This is exactly the game they wanted, a game that like has is a beautiful world that does stuff that they could never do on the old systems, but it's like the logical uh, extension of that. And I don't know, man, I, I, I can't see a fault with like making the best version of Dragon Quest instead of trying to make a completely new system and calling it dragon quest no like absolutely like it's like you said you know 
we're the kind of kids that grew up, we played Dragon Quest, we played Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all those kind of games. Unfortunately, we missed Dragon Quest because they weren't released in America, but we won't go there. And just putting this game in and playing it, it brought me back so much to that place of just those old school RPGs that turn-based, fun, make strategies based on that. And I don't know, man, it just brought me back to that place and made me so happy every time I played it. Even yeah. the littlest things, like, the, when you transition between stages, like, I mean, like, when you go through, like, a, a place where there's a little load screen, like, it plays the little going up a stair sound from Dragon Quest One, and, like, yeah. that's the kind of game this is. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that they kept some of those sounds in, like, going up the stairs, opening doors, like, it's it's that same, and, and even the little, the little jingle ha- has been the same forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that—it's there. That closes out the JRPG report every week. James always ends his episodes with "Get out there and level up." And every time, it just makes me smile because I'm like, "Fuck, man, Dragon Quest is so good." <laughs> um, it's it's like you guys said, it's it's a comfort. Like r- turn-based RPGs for me. Um, my first big experience with it i touched on this you know in earlier episodes for the show is was final fantasy 8 my brother gave me that and was like here man i think you'd enjoy this game and uh i i held that game near to me because my brother gave it to me you know what i mean and i thought that was like that was really cool like he liked this game enough to give it to his little brother and be like yo fucking play this um and that really started my love for final fantasy which started my love for turn-based and then you you move from that to pokemon and while pokemon's a little different it's still a turn-based battle system yeah you know and you, to go from that to start playing um oh god st- star ocean and things like that uh chrono trigger because <clears throat> you know i my early gaming was i went from an nes and sega master system to a playstation one so i missed the super nintendo completely so as i got older and was starting to be able to you know i had a computer that could emulate that stuff without shitting itself i could dive into these older games and play them you know and that's when i first played like saiken densetsu 3 which was released over here as trials of mana uh recently like that game did not come over here for a long time and that's when i started checking out the older final fantasies well then I always saw this fucking slime for Dragon Quest, and I'm like, man, what the fuck is that? So I, I searched Dragon Quest, and I'm like, oh, okay, they never came out over here, so why does why, what's the big deal about Dragon Quest Eight? And then I looked and saw, oh, they did come out over here as Dragon Warrior. So that was a weird thing with that, because, you know, back in the day, there was, I, I don't even know why, there was a lot of weird naming conventions with changing shit between Japan and America. Just the word they thought would sell and, better in the U.S., my man. <laughs> Yeah, I guess warrior instead of quest. I, I guess. Um, I, I mean, that makes sense. At least they didn't do what Final Fantasy did with the numbers, uh, though, because five and six yeah. didn't come out in the U.S. But when they put out Dragon Quest Seven here for the PlayStation One, they did release it as Dragon Warrior One or Dragon Warrior Seven. They didn't call it five and confuse everyone. Yeah, and I and then eight. They actually came out as Dragon Quest, and they finally reunited the titles, and peace was brought to the kingdom, man. Yeah, see, I never, uh, I never played eight until I had a 3DS, and then I was looking up what are the best RPGs that you can play on the 3DS, and one of them was Dragon Quest Eight. In fact, I think it was the number one on there on that list. They were like, play Dragon Quest. Um, so I bought that. Again, I have a really bad problem with not beating games, so I never beat it. But <laughs> I enjoyed the shit out of what I played of it, and when Dragon Quest Eleven 
and I started seeing stuff about that, I was I was sold all in, 100%. It was a turn-based game, and it had me at turn-based, so... Another I, I point... Do- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I dove in and, and did not regret a bit of it. That was all. Yeah, so speaking of like origins of how we got into this particular game in the series, because it had been a long time since I'd played a Dragon Quest game, because I remember I loved Dragon Quest 1 on the NES, and then I played a little bit of 2 and thought it was horrible. Side note, I played it again last year. It is horrible. <laughs> and then I kind of dinked around in 3 a little bit, but never really got very far in it when I was a kid. And that was my last experience with Dragon Quest until Dragon Quest Eleven. And you know what the funny thing is that made me realize that Dragon Quest Eleven was out and looked really cool was? As I think stated, the Smash Brothers um, character release when they put the Luminary in Smash Brothers. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a new Dragon Quest game. I'm going to play this. Even though it had been since the NES that I had been a part of the series. <laughs> wow. I did not know yeah, that. You never played the Dragon Warrior 7 we had for PlayStation. That's right. I think I was the only one with the ball on that. Yeah. But, and... This is definitely we is. Were living different places by the time eight had come out because I took that one to college. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely a huh. series that I would like to dive in and play some of the older the older games. Like on my 3ds, I have it soft modded, so I've got uh, Dragon Quest Seven on there. Um, and I've thought about trying to check out nine, but I think that there's something weird with nine that I don't know if you can. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is that the nine came out over here? Didn't it? It's ten it's that didn't. Ten was the yeah, weird ten. Wii MMO only in Japan. Okay, yeah, and actually, while I'm thinking about it, um, we're talking Dragon Quest. There was just a fucking anniversary. Um, was it thirty or thirty-five years? Oh, God. do you remember? Thirty. Uh, I think it was. 30, the th- it came out in like eighty, right. like eighty, early eighty, like mid eighties. So it would have to be the thirty. Yeah, thirty-five yeah. sounds right. I'll look it up. I think it was thirty-five years. Um. There's been some cool announcements, man. Uh, but the yep, thirty-five. One of the things that I got from it was that Dragon Quest Twelve might have a different combat style. Oh, I didn't notice that part of it. I hope that's not true. And I don't know if they're gonna make it more actiony or if they're just gonna kind of ch- try to change the cameras. Because in Eleven, there's this interesting thing where you can. And I, I play with the classic camera, personally. I don't use the uh, the new camera. But the, the new camera, like, you can freely run around the battle. It, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But you can run around and get pictures or whatever you want to do. Um, so maybe they're going to be changing some more stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I hope they don't mess with it too much. I really but, hope it remains uh, turn-based because that is one of the huge selling points for me. Absolutely. Um, and you, being the influencer that you are... Um, have been playing Dragon Quest Three, or Dragon Warrior Three. Dragon Quest, yeah, it, either. Yeah, one. it's called Warrior because it's NES, but yeah, it's Dragon Quest Three for sure. Yeah, uh, on Twitch, and then all of a sudden they announced that they're doing an HD two D remake of Dragon Quest Three. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm excited is, for that too. Oh man, bro! Because looks so cool. Octopath Traveler is phenomenal. Uh, and I thought it looked really good, and that new project triangle strategy, whatever the fuck they named it that they're working on, looks really good too. So uh, when I saw the little screen clips for Dragon Quest Three in that style, I was like, oh man, yeah, that's how I'm gonna play Three. Yeah. Oh, it's a sidebar too, because you said Octopath is really fantastic. Is that also turn based? Yes. I'm gonna have to try that out when it goes on sale on Steam next, because I do love the art style of that game. I just. Haven't tried it out, you know? 
Yeah, the uh, the complaints that people have about it are that like the, your character, you have a party of characters, but their stories don't necessarily intertwine with one another. It's kind of like each person has their own story playing out, but they're traveling together. Okay. But sometimes it's not treated like they're traveling together, and that can get a little odd at times. But like it, it wasn't enough to turn me off of the game because like I really enjoyed the the battle system, and that's like you know again a main drawing point. Uh, when you're when I'm in a bad mood or I'm depressed or something like I know I can go to a turn based game and it will perk me up. Yeah, because honestly, to me, in a turn based RPG, like off stream, I'll grind levels on Dragon Quest three just because there's something so cathartic and soothing about it to me. Just grinding levels in a turn based game, it's interesting. Yeah, the other night I spent, I think it was the last night of the night before I spent like I don't know four hours on Slime Island just grinding in eleven. <laughs> It's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's actually uh, let's jump into the game a little bit. Um, so, again, it's been a while since I played the beginning, so I'm going to kind of lean on you guys here. If you want to uh, discuss the the beginning, like, and you don't have to go through it like a walkthrough. Like, you know, we don't have to treat it like a walkthrough or anything. But if you want to give me, give me your opinions on the beginning, like uh, maybe some story bits. Uh, this is... The first spoiler warning for anyone who doesn't want spoilers for Dragon Quest XI. Uh, I don't know why you're listening, but spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. So at the very beginning of the game, I, I can't remember if there was a cutscene before that or not, but basically... Re- there, yeah. Go ahead. There's a cutscene where you um, see uh, an important-looking family, and all of a sudden there's a woman with a small child and a baby on the run from some kind of monsters in a rainstorm. And then uh, you see that the child gets picked up by an old man in a little village, and that's then it kind of goes like so many years later, and that's where it picks you up in gameplay. That's right, yeah. And so basically, when you first start out, you're find out, you know, obviously you're that little baby that was in the rainstorm, yep. and it's basically your coming of age ceremony at the beginning of the game, where you and this girl Gemma. Your job is to basically go to the top of the mountain in town called Cobblestone Tour. Your town is called Cobblestone. And basically have a prayer ceremony up there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have to go up the the mountain. And that's where... Uh, now, did they start you off with a one-handed sword or a two-handed sword? I don't remember. One-handed. One-hander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I think have it to... starts you with both in your inventory. Both are in your inventory, but uh, you come equipped yeah. with a single-handed equipped. sword. Yeah. Okay, and then, yeah, that's basically just your introduction. I believe that Gemma keeps you healed up. Yep, and you also have your dog companion, Sandy, with you. Yeah, the doggo, which I believe you can give pets. You can pet the dogs in this game, absolutely. That's another huge selling point. You can pet the dogs and cats. Um, And shout out to the Twitter page, uh, Can You Pet the Dog? Um, Because (laughs) anytime a new game comes out that has a dog in it, they tweet whether you can or cannot (laughs) pet the dog in it. And, uh, Genuinely, that was the stuff. first place I heard about Hades. That's awesome. <laughs> Wicked. Oh, oh man. Okay. Sidebar. Before I forget, I meant to bring this up uh, before we started, but I'm going to bring it up now. <laughs> if you go on Reddit and go to r slash potato salad, you will see a bunch of people talking about how delicious this potato salad looks and all of that but they will be pictures of john cena <laughs> now if you then go to r slash john cena 
people are talking about people are posting pictures and talking about like John Cena's matches and how good he is and things like that but they are pictures of potato salad <laughs> and I do not know who started this or why but I would like to thank the internet for being the internet <laughs> because I got a seriously good laugh out of that yesterday that's awesome super random I know but it just it tweaked in my head and I was just I needed to bring that up it's just ridiculous um so I believe is this the the first time that you're uh when right there in the beginning is when your hand does uh does its thing for the first time at the very top yeah so once you get to the so you, top yeah. of the mountain there's right. like a you know it's all cloudy and rainy and you save this little boy from these two smogs that were because he was up there trying to play a prank on Gemma and you end up having to destroy these two smogs from destroying the child essentially you send him back and you guys continue up the rest of the mountain and once you get there you're kind of disappointed there's no view and then you get attacked by this um it only looks like a later monster in the game like a war griffin or something like that and then yeah. it basically comes to where it knocks um Gemma falling off the cliff and all turtle a turtle that's what i named my hero sorry <laughs> your main character the hero has to run and save her and while he has her grabbed with his one hand, trying to pull her back up from the cliff, the war griffin kind of swoops in on him, and his hand lights up and basically zaps the monster from the sky. So that is how you first find out, you know, that you have some kind of special powers. Okay, uh, uh, that's what I that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And then from there, you guys, it does it jump you back down the mountain or do you have to run back down i can't remember. it does jump you down after it shows you the prayer ceremony and tells you like you know this was the rite of passage for him and it's weird that the monsters were there which is you know just kind of foreshadowing that things aren't going to be as good as they should be moving forward yeah now is this the point where you have to go find the try the try stone no, that's a bit further on. So, a bit further on. Okay, yeah. When I'll you look. get back down, your uh, adoptive grandfather basically tells you, you know, th- your mother wanted me to give you this on your coming of age, and uh, here is kind of your legacy. Here is your actual secret, and uh, it turns out you are the reincarnation of a hero from legend called the Luminary, and you have that special mark on your hand to prove it, and. Uh, a piece of jewelry he gives you as well to prove that your birth is from somewhere else. And uh, he tells you to go on and see the king and tell him, yo, the luminary's back. Things are going to get better around here. Right. And so from that point, you leave town, get a horse and all that stuff, and you start to head to Heliodor, which is basically the capital, the big dog in the world of Airdria, which is the name of the world you're in. And so you start heading towards Heliodor. Yeah. And Heliodor is where... uh shit starts going mental there. I mean, not not right at first. Like, when you get there, um, that's kind of your first introduction to side quests there, too, I believe, if I remember right. Like, uh, helping the kid get the little kitty off the, the roof. Yeah, there's that one, and there's one where you keep hearing about these two big knights, Jasper and um, Hendrick. Hendrick. And there's supposed to be a book in town about it, and this guy's a scholar and wants to know, so you to find that book for him. And so you do those two side quests. And Hendrick and Jasper, they definitely... They definitely want you to learn about them early in the game because they definitely, throughout the course of the game, provide a pretty big role. Yeah, for sure. Major, major players of the army of Heliodor. One of them is like the greatest fighting knight, and the other one is like the brains of the operation. Yeah. And that's also the introduction into uh, checking for books. Yeah. Which. Sidequest does such a great job with that. 
run around all the towns looking on bookshelves and uh man we're gonna kind of pop from point to point with this one because a lot of the bookshelves are like the only places you can find uh basically crafting recipes so there's a crafting mechanic in the game called the fun size forge you carry it with you wherever you go and um you know I'm usually not huge on crafting mechanics in video games, but there's just something about the way the Fun Size Forge is executed that really makes it satisfying. Yeah, I, I think it's a fun little mini game. You know, it's basically, it, it can be, I think, one to eight spots that you have to whack with a hammer, and uh, you have to get try to get it into the sweet spot, and there's a real sweet spot that gives you almost like the critical and will make your bar gold instead of blue, and you're just trying to get them all into the little blue zone without going over the one little area and you have a certain amount of temperature that you have to deal with but then you also get moves where like you can hit it twice as hard you can hit it half as hard you can hit two squares at once you can hit four squares at once you know there's there's different mechanics to it that you get along the way and it's just kind of uh learning to um not i guess i want to say min max but i guess that's that's not really what i'm trying to get at but that's also exactly what i'm trying to get at you're trying to do as best as possible with as little as possible yeah just optimization um like because the temp the forge gets cooler as uh as you hit it so that also means each of your hits does less uh moving the little bar over but that also means you have a little bit more precision to it too so you can try to try to get to the uh exact like target and then you know have your guy appraise it and if you uh, the purpose of the little bars is just if you uh get really accurate if you have really good rolls or you just plan it out really well you the item you uh the item you forge on the forge that's using a noun and a verb it's the same word in one sentence that's great um <laughs> come out as um like plus one plus two or plus three so you know your hat will give you additional defense or your attacks will be stronger with your knife things like that yeah yeah and, the uh, the plus one plus two plus three man I, I always shoot for that plus three always i'm, I'm comfortable on a plus one Ah, fair. Okay. I I just it bothers me if they're not plus three. <laughs> it it gets harder though because like the materials start doing wonky things like the higher because there's like a classification of how hard the item is to craft. So like there's like one star, two star, three star, four star. I think is the highest. I might be wrong there. It's been a while since I've been that far. But like it starts throwing you curves and swerves when you get around the two star level. Yeah. Yeah. And so you actually yeah, it does. you get better at crafting as your character levels up as well. So it's just a matter of time before it's easier to craft those things. But like if you're like at level fifteen trying to craft a level two item, like a two star item in the forge, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it ain't gonna go well for you at all, no. Not not at all. But the combination of the, the mini game and then finding recipes in town and then finding ingredients while you're out on the field, like, it, it gives it this whole, like, I don't know, a lot of times crafting in video games just feels like you're bringing up a box and putting things together in the middle of nowhere. And it gives it kind of a diegetic or in-universe explanation for why you're crafting that I think is, um, I don't know, I just think that that adds a lot of flavor to it that makes it a little bit more interesting than just going to the shop and buying a better sword. Yeah, it's a lot more fun to me to craft. Like, sometimes I'll forget to even go to shops just because I would rather wait until I find the recipe book and make the armor or the item myself. Plus, then you can get that plus bonus. I think you can get the plus bonus on things you buy as well if you reforge it. So if you use your perfectionist oh, pearls, you can that. reforge items that you already have. Oh, do you yeah. get, uh, there's a little check mark that shows up by them when you've crafted one. Do you get that if you uh, reforge one? or do you have to I make think it you have to make it from scratch for that. 
okay. Yeah, but you can... also, if you can't find ingredients, it does have a little option in there where you can uh, pay like store price for any ingredients you couldn't locate or that you're running low on. So, you know that it. I don't know. It, it seems like a nice feature to, if you're like 90% of the way there, but you have no idea where to find a blue eye or whatever, then you can just kind of purchase one and then make the thing. And I think that was added in Definitive Edition. Uh, that makes sense. I'm not 100% sure. What I've looked, what you've told me earlier when you're talking about the uh, the horse hailer and the uh, nose for treasure and all that is, it seems like a lot of the S features are like QOL things, quality of life stuff, where it's yeah. specifically to make it to where... It's just less of a pain in the butt to go back to specific place before you do the thing you wanted to be doing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I so um, from there, I believe that's when you make your way to uh, talk to the king, and that's kind of when shit just goes haywire. Um, he doesn't call you the luminary; he calls you a dark spawn, and that you're fucking evil, and he throws your ass in jail. Yeah, so he has Hendrik grab you and throw you in jail, and he sends Jasper out to Cobblestone to do some investigation. Quote, unquote. Yeah, and so, continuing from there, once you're in the jail, you start making a racket down there, because you're like, I shouldn't be down here, so you start breaking the pots and stuff in your cell, and you hear a voice from the other cell saying, hey, quiet it down in there, (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. So eventually you just go to the door... And this guy starts talking to you. He's like, oh, you must have done something pretty bad. They only put real bad guys down here. And you tell him that you're the luminary. And he's like, wait, what? You're the luminary? (laughs) And so eventually he helps you break out of the prison. And that's when you get your first member of your party. Yeah, which is uh, Eric. You come to find out. out Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, you come to find out his name is Eric. And then... uh... He's the he's the one dude from Brooklyn in a sea of people who are British. <laughs> I love his accent because I really can't tell. It sounds a little bit like a British guy trying to do a New York voice to me. <laughs> yeah, he, I, tr- I, I tried to get some info on the actor, but I couldn't find much info. I do love Eric. Like his, he's a cool ass character. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's in jail for the most obvious reason. Someone goes to jail. He a thief and he stole a royal treasure at one point. So they did not like that very much, and they chucked him in the darkest dungeon. <laughs> But he's he's just so fun because now you got a thief, you got a guy who uh, you know he's got that little bit of attitude. Now he can the player character, the luminary. We probably should have mentioned this is a uh, one of those Link style silent protagonists. He has a voice actor, and the character talks off screen sort of, but none of his lines are written out. None of those lines are voiced. Like it'll just say the luminary explains what happened in that scene or whatever. Yeah. Now you got Eric. Eric is now your voice. He's a fully voice acted character who can actually talk to people, and th- he kind of becomes your uh, your road into the uh, dialogue of the game. Yeah, because most of the stuff that you hear from your character is just like, yeah, 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 get him, and like like weird things like that. It's never actual dialogue. Yeah, the most I've really noticed him talking is just when he goes like, ha ha, when uh, someone kills someone in uh, one of the overworld battles. <laughs> um. And man, I'm, I'm still kind of foggy at that point. Uh, okay. that point I, I can is... keep going until we get to where you're caught up, Dalton. <laughs> yeah, yes, please, please, thank you. Thank yeah. you. So basically, you found out that Eric had been planning his escape for quite a while, but somebody named, I think he called the Sage, would told him that he should be helping the Luminary in any way possible. And he was like, it's funny how the day I finish digging this hole is the day the Luminary shows up in the prison. So basically, you make your way down this hole and into like basically the sewer system of the castle you have guards that see you and start chasing you eventually you give them to slip and end up in like the 
deepest, darkest part of the dungeon. And then for some reason there's a dragon down there that you have to run away from and continue running, running, running. And eventually you get to this end where you get away from him. And then guess what? You're on a cliff and the guards start chasing after you. And they're like, hold on, don't do anything stupid. And so, of course, you and Eric do something stupid. You just jump off the cliff and down the waterfall. Yeah, totally safe, right? Yeah, totally yeah. safe. Now, one one thing, and I then it goes about, to the title screen. Yep. Then you get the intro. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the prologue. That whole thing. Uh, one thing that I'm I'm curious about is why is always why is it always that the uh, hold on one second. Come here. You better bring that back. Mom's coming in here for a bud. <laughs> uh, you figured I'd be done by now. It was a long game. And it was the one-year anniversary. I'm going to leave all of this in, too. I want you to know. <laughs> she, she said hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome to the show. You're welcome. Our special guest. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, why is it that uh, games... It seems like stealth. They always put little stealth bits in, where they're like to me, it's unneeded. Like in this, in this, it made a little more sense because you're running from guards and you're trying to get around them. But it just reminds me that there are certain games where they just throw stealth sections at you for no fucking reason. Yeah, it was a little I, unnecessary, but it, it wasn't like exceedingly difficult or anything. And if you did get caught, you just had a little battle to battle out of. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, and that it was, was a very bad short stealth section, but a very short one. I, and and to me, like I appreciate that they just threw you into a battle and then left you where you were at. Instead of some games where they're like, "Oh, you got caught, go back to the fucking beginning and try again." Ocarina of Time. Ugh. It drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was glad that you know. I, I mean, I can do battles, really. Like I, that doesn't bother me. I'll do battles all day. Um, so continue, Nate. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Yeah, and so then you end up. Um I'll skip ahead a little bit because there's a lot of story. <laughs> you don't need all the details, yeah, honestly. No, no need to touch on it all, yeah. Yeah, and so eventually you're teaming up with Eric now, and you find out Eric um, helped steal this red orb from the castle, and he wants to get it back. You find out that it's been sold, essentially, and you have to try to steal it again. So you end up going to... So you're trying to get back to... You want to go back to Cobblestone, but Eric's like, we got to get this, this orb, man. It's worth a lot of money. And so Eric's like, yeah, I'll come with you back to Cobblestone. We can check out and see what's going on there, but help me do this first. So that's when you get to the real first dungeon of the game as you go into this temple where they're holding the red orb. You get in there and you see that like all the Heliodoran knights that were guarding it are dead and it's full of monsters. And it, yeah, that, pl that place is intense. Yeah, so I guess it was first like, whoa, <laughs> things happen here. So you basically battle your way through this entire dungeon and you, of course, get the red orb and head to Cobblestone, which is when you get to Cobblestone, you find out that Jasper's investigation was really just destroying the entire town. Like, leveling it. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it is... And and that's kind of introduced in, like, when you first get there, everything's hunky-dory. Right? Oh, yeah, there's... Yes, there's the, uh... You see the... The is still flashback. Yeah. Because you go in to talk to your mom, and she's like, you're not my kid, who the fuck are you? And then... She kind of just like get out of my house, and you go uh, wandering off to the—is it the river? Or you walk down by the river, and you see yeah. yourself as a little kid, who is also fully voice acted. That was the weirdest part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Six-year-old Luminary has actual lines. Yeah, maybe he just 
took a vow of silence or something. Uh, but you, you talk to your grandpa, and the grandpa, I believe, starts filling you like he knows who you are, and he knows that like this is a vision of the past. I don't know. That was a very strange section to me. So I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, it's essentially that. It's like your grandpa's like, ah, oh, I didn't know it was going to go down like this, or I wouldn't have told your mother to send you to Heliodor to talk to the king. And basically, that's when you find out that there's a he's left you something at the bottom. He where he dug a hole next to the stone. There where you go, basically you go to the next area. I think it's like the port. The three-sided rock. Yeah. So that's where you were thinking of. Yeah. Now, this is where my save game was at. Was uh, I had gotten the key, and I had to make my way to the gate of... Uh, shit. Tra- transcendence? Is the gate of Transcendence? The gate of... Yeah, yeah. that is okay. S- something else. Right. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a gate. Gate of Departure. The gate departure, of Departure. And uh, you start making your way there, and obviously... Uh, Henrik catches up with you. It's like not so fast, Doc Spawn. Pretty good impression. I like and, it. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he fails. And this is where, when I first played through this, the game lost me a little bit because I was like, "Are we on the same continent? Where the fuck am I?" Yeah, it definitely so, takes you to somewhere completely new that you are completely unfamiliar with the surroundings. And funny enough, like I have Steam pulled up, the achievement is called Terra Incognita, awarded for making your way to an unknown land. <laughs> yeah, which ends up being like in the same world. So I, for some reason, I thought that going through that portal was taking you to like another realm or another dimension or something. But then, like once you see. Henrik show up again you're like I'm like oh okay never mind it just it just got us away from him for a little bit yeah exactly so you get, basically you're just a little bit in a different part of the world eventually they'll probably still be looking for you and you start to relax a little bit as like because you don't feel like you're being chased as much now that you're here and you make your way to the next town over there called Hato and this is where I have to take a quick little break and say I'm also playing through Dragon Quest 3 for the first time that I've gotten as far as I have in it anyway and when you get into Hato, you hear the nice music playing. It's the same music as from the town of Japan in Dragon Quest Three, which I would not have known until today when I first got to Japan. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It it blew me away too because um, I when I got to this town in eleven, I was like, "This music's really cool." It got stuck in my head for a while. I couldn't figure out why I heard it before. Watching Eight Streaming Three, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is the Japango theme." What the heck? They used the exact same melody, and it sounds so good in the NES. It sounds so good on the uh, symphonic version, man. That's just really neat. Like, one of those little fun throwbacks that I really love about the Dragon Quest games. Now, I wonder how many of the references are there from the other games, because there's another reference, too, right? The uh, the, the Puff Puff. Yeah, that's in uh, the next town after this one, yeah. Oh, okay. They continue. I will let you continue. You're doing a good okay. job. So, yeah, once you're in... Um, I don't want to go through the whole thing. It's a long, drawn-out section for a small amount of story, to be honest. But basically, you meet this girl there named Veronica, and she takes she tells you her sister's in trouble, and you go to this dungeon to basically help save her sister. Um, you get there, and you find her sister, who's supposed to be her little sister, is a full-grown woman named Serena. And basically, you find out that Veronica, this little girl you met, basically had... So there was the monsters in the dungeon were trying to steal her magic abilities, but instead they sucked her age at the same time as her magic abilities. So you had to defeat the monsters there named Jarvis, who was just full of jar puns for some reason. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's <laughs> he's a he's a fun first like antagonist yeah. almost because 
he's the first one that really talks shit to you. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty fun. So basically, you have to beat him to get Veronica's magic back, and they you find out that both Serena and Veronica have already clocked you as the luminary, and there's like, oh, guess what? We serve you. <laughs> yeah, and and to me, it made me laugh too because it's like, all right, Veronica gets her magic back, but she's still a little kid. Yeah. Even though she's the same age as the one who's an adult, I was like, oh, "That's kind of, that's that Japanese trope thing of there's always a ki- like one that looks like a little kid but is actually old." Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do love that instead of it being played up as a quote sexy thing or whatever, it's just no. Everyone still treats her like a small child. She gets thrown out of bars whenever she tries to go into them. Yeah, yeah, and she gets real pissed about it. <laughs> she's always angry and mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she is the complete opposite of uh, her sister. It was just the sweetest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, once you save them, you go back to town and you learn about this thing called the um, Rain Bow, which is supposed to be a branch of the tree of Yggdrasil, which I guess at that point we should kind of bring up what Yggdrasil is, which Yggdrasil is the tree of life where it's said that all life comes and ends from. Um, and so, they're the sages of Arborea, and Arborea is like protector of Yggdrasil basically and so that's how they start telling you about you know we need to get the luminary to Yggdrasil and the Thone knows how to get to Yggdrasil and they hear about this branch that fell off of Yggdrasil called the Rainbow and somebody in town tells them oh yeah uh, I've met this merchant and he says sold it to the town of uh, help me here Galapagos oh it's yeah, that's right. It's, it's Galapagos. Like, Galapagos, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what you guys decide to do is head to Galapagos to try to track down the rainbow. And when you get to Galapagos, it's sort of like your um, typical... Uh, it's Italy. No, it's not. No, it's, no Galapagos it's, was it's, Italy. No, I'm so confused. Sorry, Galapagos was the... Uh, like yeah, it's the more like the Arabic town. town. And so you get to um, Galapagos and you meet the... The Sultan's son, basically, <laughs> who's this cowardly prince type that kind of uses manipulation to get what he wants, but not in like a devious way, just in because he's kind of incompetent in every other way, other than through words. <laughs> if you don't help him, he's gonna die. Basically, <laughs> yeah. so he's so basically he asks. Um, so basically, you have to go to. He invites you to go to the um, circus in town to kind of tell you what he wants to do, what you to do for him to help you get this rainbow that he tells you they have. Um, so finds out, like, he, that's where he found out he's kind of a coward and he neglected his nightly training and he needs you to do um, a stand-in and race for in, in his stead in the Galapagos um, race, basically the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, he, he just assumes that, you know, you can ride a horse. Yeah. And she, like, it's like the prince and the popper situation, you know. It's like, oh, we have the same body type. You do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a race. It's called the Sand National. It's like the coming of age ceremony for princes of Galapagos. Is that you know they ride in that and actually try to race in it. And he's like, he has never ridden a horse, so he is like scared he's going to shame himself and his family. Yeah, and you see this cool circus performer while you're there named Silvando the Great. Yeah, Silvando. Hello, darling. <laughs> so that's really your first uh, taste of Silvando, too. You see him doing his act, and you can see he kind of clocks the prince. He can tell that's the prince sitting there with these four, whoever they are, while he's performing. And then, and then it comes up that 
he is who you race against too, isn't it? Yeah. So you you, yeah. you agree to do this, and you get there, and you're racing, and there's like a couple of other insignificant racers, but Sylvanda shows up like, oh, hello, Principal. <laughs> yeah, it is. He's got this thing on his horse to make it look like a peacock. Yeah. Where it's just like big feathers, like he is very flamboyant. He's fantastic. He's just out there it, and eccentric, and I love it. It cannot be overstated that the word to describe Silvando is extra. He does <laughs> yeah. everything too much. In the best way. I love him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the other night, man, I think uh, me and Nate both were like, <gasps> when Zal, Zalnoff was like, ugh, Silvando, I try to forget about him. And we were like, <gasps> how dare how you? How dare you, darling? <laughs> like, Silvando is great. Um, so, I believe after the race is when you're just like, talking to the prince you switch before you could even switch back Silvando comes in to say something to the prince and both of you are standing there in the in the armor and Silvando just kind of puts his hands together like oh the plot thickens or whatever the hell he says <laughs> yeah he starts like you know kind of talking down to the prince like you know you need to toughen up and be able to do things for yourself like he was coming from Silvando to the prince and the prince is like shut up <laughs> yeah like, shut up, you're a jester and I am a prince, man. Don't tell me yeah, what to do. Yeah, essentially that. Uh, then you finally do get back to the Sultan. And Sultan's so proud of his son. He's like, then you find out that this creature that comes like every Sand National to terrorize the town is back again. Surprise, because it's a Sand National. And the Sultan's like, you're a man, um, Prince Virus. You must go defeat the monster. <laughs> and of course, That's... the guy who neglected all of his nightly training is like, oh God, I'm screwed. <laughs> Yeah, he he has like he's like uh, come to my room. I will speak with you. The rain battle. And you go into the room, <laughs> and I remember he just like jumps into the air and lands on the ground and bows down. It's like please, 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 please help me, please. Oh God, please help me. I don't want to die. <laughs> just hilarious. Of course, and, you agree uh, to help him, and yeah, and then on on your way out, that's when. You're joined by Silvando, but he's not in your party. He's kind of just an extra. Yeah, right? he's like, oh, please let me help come along. I'm afraid the prince is going to get himself killed. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so you're like, okay, come along, Silvando. <laughs> so you do get out there, and you find the monster. And of course you defeat the monster, because y'all are awesome at this point. Because you have the party of four, plus Silvando helping out. And the monster's like this big, giant scorpion monster thing pretty scary to look at it was a really good boss i was like the first one that i think was a little bit difficult if you hadn't leveled yourself a little bit before going into the slayer of the sands yeah i was just about to ask uh like uh willie um what was your experience going into this because i feel like this was the first major boss battle this was the first boss fight that felt like intimidating like a boss fight like jarvis maybe the first like named boss with dialogue but this is the first one where the game is pretty much explicitly telling you hey this thing kills people like, yeah, this thing's you gotta be ready. And I actually didn't have that much trouble with the fight. Like, afterwards, I'm like, huh, this game is really easy. Sidebar, that doesn't remain the case if you stay underleveled. But uh, I didn't end up having too much trouble with the fight. But he did, he put some hits on me that were strong enough that I had to actually plan in that fight, you know? Yeah. I, you know, that's that's one uh, critique I've read about this game is that it's too easy. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or not, but you know that's that's to each. It just depends on how you play situation. it, honestly. If you are a grinder and level up a lot, yeah, it's going to be pretty easy. Yeah, and to me, uh, I feel like I've earned it being easy when I grind. Mm-hmm. You know, so we were I mean, talking. To, 
we're talking about emergent goals in games, and like one of the things that is really easy to do in the Dragon Quest type of game is to go, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little bit like my weakest character's kind of naked out there. Let me just go earn 2,000 gold coins and get them a new piece of armor. And like those add up over time, you know, to getting you armor and experience. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the best part um, of. So from oh, there. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to tell you to go oh, ahead. I was <laughs> the best part is like. The, you guys should yeah, go thanks, ahead. Thanks. So you, <laughs> you tie up the monster having been defeated. You take it back to town with you. And that's the best part is when you get back to town and, um, you know, Prince Ferris is there taking all the credit, waving at everybody like, yes, I did it. Ha ha ha. And all this kind of stuff. And that's when the monster kind of wakes up and breaks through its chains. Yeah, and bursts back to life. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, you have to do it, Prince Ferris, and you need, Prince Ferris is obviously mortified, like peeing in his pants, essentially. <laughs> I would <mean, laughs> be scared of this monster. And, you know, and that's when Silvando stands up, like from the distance, being the badass dude he is, and starts reciting, like, you know, the Knight's Pledge and makes Ferris repeat it after him, giving Ferris actually the courage to stand up to the Slayer of the Sands by himself. Of course, Ferris doesn't do a good job, and Silvando saves him in the end, but <laughs> that's just all in a cutscene, too. It's not like a, a repeat of the fight or anything, but it's just a really cool scene where you see Silvando, you know, this big flamboyant, <laughs> goofy dude, just come out and be the complete badass, and I just love that kind of message that sends, like, you know, everybody can be a badass. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like Silvando is, like, a, a nightly night for being a jester. Mm-hmm. Like like he knows his shit, you know what I'm saying, and he's 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 good with a sword too. And it's it was cool to watch him uh, inspire the courage in the prince for the for the prince to at least give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. And after all that, you find out they already sold the rainbow. Of course. <laughs> and from there, that's when you head to the port city, right? Yeah, because you uh, find out, Silvando's like, hey, let me come with you, because like, we all want the same thing here. We want to spread happiness through the world, and you know, with that dark one involved, there can be no happiness, so I want the same thing you do. Let me join your party. And so, Silvando joins you, and then you find out he has a boat. And the boat yeah, is in so the next town, um, which is... Gondolia. Huh? Gondolia. Gondolia, yes. Gondolia! Which is Italy. <laughs> that one's Italy. I got my G's mixed up. Golly, dude, there is a yeah. lot of story in this beginning of the game already. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, mini quests that last about two to three hours, but are kind of self-contained episodes. It's kind of the Dragon yeah. Quest way, I feel like. Yeah, and like I said, we don't have to touch on every every little beat point, because I know, like, in Gondolia, there's, like, some shit going on with uh, this... Um, yeah. Uh, what was it? The boat? The boat race? Or yeah, something? the Mr. Senior Universo contest. So basically, Mr. Universe contest is going on when you get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you basically, you do some stuff and help. But like, I'm going to skip through story points because there's too much to go through. And we've already been on yeah, this for a okay. while. Um, so basically, you do the story quest there. But that's when um, Jasper actually catches up with you. And you actually have to do battle with Jasper there. And Willie, what do you think about the Jasper fight? Uh, you know, actually, the first time I, like, had uh, all my guys get down to zero hit points was when the guards surrounded me right before the Jasper oh. fight. So, that's actually a battle you're allowed to lose. So that's Oh, I didn't nice. know you could lose that. Yeah, it just ends up getting you captured faster. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. 
I didn't know I that. didn't either because I was like well, it was when I only had uh, when I only had the luminary yeah yeah that's, moment, that's how that starts out okay but which like and then Jasper he's pretty tough actually he takes a, a long time to take down yeah Jasper actually I, I mean I still felt like he was really tough but didn't threaten me as much as mm-hmm. he could have like I don't I don't feel like he killed any of my partners no. or anything but he uh it was it was uh, I feel like he got a lot of uh character out of that fight like I feel like you kind of learned a lot yeah, about him yeah he was like cocky arrogant thinks he's the best and speaking of the best uh I think it's right after that fight is one of my favorite scenes yes. so far yes go ahead and describe that <laughs> <laughs> and it's when uh, Silvando like looks to the right and says something, and he's like, "Just trust me." And then runs and jumps off the side of this uh, ledge, and everyone's just kind of watching him do it. And then it goes back, and you're talking to Jasper again and everything. And then <laughs> you just see this ship, this big ass ship, start sailing through and standing on the very front of it, like all proud as shit, is Silvando, just up like Captain Morgan, just <laughs> riding on the front of this ship as it comes by. And uh, that just, I, I want a picture of just that, like him just posted up on the front of his ship because it is just fantastic. And his ship is as colorful and over the top as he is. Yep. And the guy who drives it is Dobby. 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 Dave. Yeah, it's spelled Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks like all the other goons except his is pink. Yeah. And by the way, love speaking it. of that, just calling back to older things in the game, like older game, things in the series, that character model basically that Dave is based off of has been around since Dragon Quest 2. Wow, really? Yep. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Now, real quick, is it, is it Gondolia that has the, the poof No, poof? that was actually in Galopolis. So Galopolis actually has a scene that's okay. exactly the same as the one in Dragon Quest 3 with the puff puff scene as well, which is hilarious, which is the one where you go upstairs, turn off the lights, and you find out it's her dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... If, for those who don't know, uh, the, the Puff Puff thing is like this innuendo joke that's been in a lot of the Dragon Quest games um, where very pretty women will ask you if you would like to join them in a room for some Puff Puff. And uh, it's, I think it's insinuated that you're going in there to get like a, a nice handy or like a, you know, a, a blowy maybe or even some, some booty. But um, I believe it's revealed later. In a, well, actually, you know, we won't get into that because I don't know if Willie's seen that or not. So Yeah. There... There have been some scenes that imply different things in different games, too. I think it's just kind of a non-specific sexy yeah. thing. Because, like, there's a scene in 8 that definitely implied that it had something to do with uh, female top parts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, it'll uh, it'll explain itself yeah. later in the, but in the it's game. It's hilarious because there was just basically another recreation of a scene from 3 and 11 right there as well. Yeah, and I, I think that's cool. The little callbacks are, are fun to find. Yeah, but, okay... From Gondolia, you actually found that the merchant had taken the, um, there was a merchant that sold it to Octagonia. Finally, that's actually where it is. You go to Octagonia, basically from, um, Gondolia, thank you. And then, (laughs) it's one of my things I think is the funniest, is there's a scene there where you get there, and it's kind of like, you start talking to people, and they are like, y'all and stuff, and you find out that they're big thing in their town is they have every year an annual MMA competition. Uh, masked martial arts competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I thought was genius. It's fun. It's it's like, of course you have to get involved because you find out that the ring bow was the top prize of it. And it's like 
something in between like gladiator combat and tag team pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is this is where you meet Buff Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> He does sound like Keanu Knight, you say that? <laughs> he does, he sounds like Very a... Very California voice. Uh, yo, my name's Vince. Guess we're going to be fighting together today, partner. Like, it's yeah, very... so the, the whole shtick there is is they um, you get tag-teamed up randomly with a person, and you get tag-teamed with the last year's champ, Vince Vanquish, essentially. And while you're there, you go through the martial arts competition, and there's another team that's like just blowing everybody else out of the water, Call with two people like Rab and Jade are their names, but yeah. Now eventually, or originally, uh, Jade was going to be on your team, but then Rab has it switched yeah. around, and then you right, you yeah. end up with Vince. So yeah, then continue. Yeah, Sorry. and cute little things like they do a random drawing. Everybody gets a number. The hero's number draws is eleven, and I just made that connection this playthrough, and I thought that was cute. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's funny, too, because you find out that some of your party members had also joined the competition, and you get to watch a cutscene where Eric gets completely destroyed by Jade. <laughs> yeah, and then Veronica talking shit to him yeah. later. What <laughs> happened out there? Were you too distracted by our legs? <laughs> I mean, I would be. I'd be like, yes, ma'am, you, you can kick me. That's okay. <laughs> so eventually, of course, you win the tournament, beat them, but only because uh, you beat them in the fight, and then it goes to another cutscene where Rab essentially sees your um, mark on your hand that's the mark of the luminary. It's like, what? And then once he's distracted, Vince just knocks him out. <laughs> Gives him the biggest fucking dropkick I've ever seen. Just, boom, that little old man goes flying onto his ass. It's basically the same thing happens to Jade, too, where Jade gets distracted, and then Vince is like, hey, partner, and you jump off Vince's back and slice her with your sword. <laughs> Yeah, how that doesn't just cut her in half and she's dead now, I, I you know, I don't know, but that's just JRPG logic. Yeah. But eventually, the cut through the story a little bit faster. You find out Vince has been cheating all for the last couple of years because, you know, he runs the orphanage in, orphanage in town and he has to keep money flowing into the orphanage because he grew up there, man. And you find out he's been like basically feeding fighters to a giant spider in a dungeon. <laughs> And using yeah. like byproduct from that as a power drink, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess they like the spider would suck the fighting essence out of the fighters and give it to Vince, but then Vince like it was eating him from the inside out yeah. over the years, and and like it, it was a very strange thing. Also, Vince never opens his eyes, but like twice the whole time you talk yeah. to him. Very Brock. Yes. Yes. Energy. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, you uh, kill the spider and you move forward from there, and then Rab basically then you go to claim your prize the next day or whatever, and found you found out there was where your prize was supposed to be. A note was left that says, "I have the rainbow it's safe with me. Come meet me at the ruins of Dundrasil." Love Rab. Now, when I when I was <laughs> when I was first playing through this uh, on PS4, and I got to this point, I was like. Oh god damn it! Is the whole game going to be chasing this one fucking item? <laughs> and uh, thankfully, it's not. So I just wanted to throw yeah. that in there. But yeah, so it's like from there you move to go Dragon Quest to Skittles, there. chase the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wants you to meet them at the ruins of Dundrasil, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, take Dundrasil over. Dundrasil is a kingdom that had been destroyed uh, a little bit before the events of the game. Uh, actually, I think the, the destruction of Dundrasil is 
that happened the same time as when, uh, well, when you were a little baby, you got washed up. Yeah, around the same time. Um, and there's a lot of story revealed there. Do you want to get into that? Um, either we end this episode on, like, basically the story part of this episode on that, or we start the next one on that. That's up to you guys. I'm kind of storied out talking. <laughs> so if, y'all, if one of y'all want to cover that part, uh, go ahead. I don't know. I feel like if there's anything more mechanical we wanted to talk about, that would be interesting. Because I feel like we covered a lot of the uh, aesthetics and the story, but, like, are there any, um, like, gameplay-related things that you thought were interesting? Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and cut story now. We'll start talking about gameplay. Um, some of my favorite parts of the game are some of the battle mechanics, so we haven't covered that at all, essentially. And depending on who you have in your party, because you'll have five people in your party at the point we're talking about, there are things called pep powers, and so, like, basically, if you get hit through enough fights and everything, occasionally you'll get this thing called pep, which where, just by yourself, you start doing more damage, taking less damage, and it just makes, basically, your character a little bit better in every way for, like, I think it's, like, seven or eight turns until it wears off. And there's also something called a pep power there, where you can join up with other members of your team if they're also pepped up, and use a special devastating attack or ability-enhancing maneuver that's usually incredible, that lasts a set amount of time as well. And that... My favorite one so far is Wild Side, where Eric gets to attack twice per turn, and he gets basically defense plus two, attack plus two, magic defense plus two, and all that. And he has, like, this cool red-eyed look in the cutscene. Yeah, and that one requires you to have um, the hero, Serena, and um, Eric all pepped up at the same time. Yeah. So it's cool stuff like that. that. Like, you know, we talk about being such a traditional battle system but it has something really cool in that pet power that i like i, I said i'm not as well versed in every rpg this like i think you two are but i don't think i've seen anything like pet power or anything else before if pet power reminded me of anything from an existing game it's kind of like a cross between the tension system from dragon quest 8 and the uh, triple tech system from chrono okay. trigger because um, the pep, or tension system is a similar way of kind of building to a limit breaky status which i guess yeah, it's kind I guess of a limit breaky status wouldn't you say but then, in like like the triple text in Chrono Trigger, it's very specific as to who you bring into the party that you can actually do these okay. moves. Yeah, and I feel like if it pulled inspiration from anything, it'd probably be the text from Tr- Chrono Trigger. Um, another square joint, square Enix joint. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I I really enjoy the battle system. Um, I I I don't use it, but I do like. I think I touched on this in the beginning. I really appreciate the camera that you can do the the free mm-hmm. roam because I I am a screenshot whore. Yeah. <laughs> so like anytime I can get a good screenshot, I'm all about it. And uh, so the being able to do the camera mode, and I believe that they've added a photo mode. Yeah, there's a photo mode. Which I haven't checked that out yet, but I really need to because I would like to. There's a couple different areas in the game that I really like to snag. A it's of. cute. It's like basically you can take selfies with your thing. You can do a bunch of different poses with your characters and have them standing in front of a certain area, and just it's cute. I like it. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, of course. The return of metal slimes. Okay, gotta love metal slimes, man. Which which you are always wanting to find. Yeah, massive experience for a battle, but they are extremely hard to kill and they run away like crazy. Yeah, but uh, Eric with boomerang and that metallurgy. Yeah. Or metal rang, whatever the hell it's called, is that that move uh, helps out a lot. Then hero can learn and, metal slash on sword. Yeah. See, I have my hero using a great sword, but I might switch that up because I miss dual wield. I just got dual wield for. Uh, Silvando. So, like, the character builder, mm-hmm. um, each each character has, like, the ability to use two different weapons. 
and uh, they have a skill tree for each um, and you kind of just have to decide now if you want to change your mind and do something else then obviously you can um, yeah I actually did but it, it costs gold because I had Serena on um, spear for a minute and I didn't like it so I changed her back to ones yeah I have her on spear right now as well and I don't like it either <laughs> she just doesn't get as much damage out of it as you want and it ends up not giving her the cool like the wand benefit where you can like siphon MP off of enemies you hit makes her a lot more you have to rest less you know I like that yeah yeah for sure for sure um and I just I I really enjoy dual wield um I am going to try to level Eric enough that I can get dual wield in the dagger thing and see if I can use that with boomerangs because that would be sweet, but I don't know if it'll yeah. work. Um, I did. I think I'm currently... What level are y'all sitting 33. At? I think around 26. Yeah, I think I'm at like 35. <laughs> I'm lower level than you and way further than the game. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you, man. Once, I, once, once we get past the point that we were talking about earlier and the game opens up, I hit Slime Island and just spent a ton of time there. And I lucked out, dude, three battles in a row. I got five metal wow. slimes and was able to kill every wow. one of them. Whoa. Three in That's a row. Crazy. And then did, did not see another one for like 40 minutes. <laughs> but still racking up experience, just going around killing stuff, just going around killing stuff. Yeah. You know? But the uh, I did, like, one of the worst things. So metal slimes, notorious for running the fuck away. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've, and I'm sure you too, Nate, have gone into a battle and there's like three metal slimes and you're like, yes. And then you click fight. And the first thing that happens is all three of them run away. Dude, it's actually really funny because the day I was playing Dragon <laughs> Quest three, ran into eight metal slimes. All of them ran away. <laughs> oh man. Oh God. That would fucking drive me crazy. <laughs> the worst part is he actually got one of them down to half hit points too. And it was the one that stayed the longest. Oh, man. Metal Slime E, you're a real <laughs> bastard. <laughs> oh, man. Is there uh, is there anything else that you gentlemen would like to touch on? I feel like I've been talking a lot, is, so I think I've covered about what I need I've, to today. Hey, man. Y'all were covering the customization where you get to choose a weapon and then choose, like, a tech tree for your character, and, like, that's also one of the things I thought was... I don't know, I think that's really yeah. fun. That it gives you those choices, but also, like... You can just go to a church and hit, like, basically a respec button, and you can just go all the way back. You don't lose anything. Some gold, it, so there's yeah. no, like... Uh, as, yeah. l- as long as you have the gold for it, which it can't... I think it can get expensive later in the game. It never gets bad, especially later in the game. You have but, so much money, it doesn't really matter. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Boy, I envy that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm broke. I've got a ton of casino coins, but no actual yeah. gold. Oh. I didn't realize you couldn't cash those back out. <laughs> No, you can just buy prizes. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten to yeah. casino yet, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I know. A, it's uh, an RPG. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, yeah we can so, talk about mechanics next time. So next week, uh, we will be talking about uh, Dragon, a game about a dragon. Not Dragon Quest. Um, <laughs> not Dragon Quest. And then the week after that, we'll be back to Dragon Quest. And uh, whether we have it beat by then or not, we, we shall see. Um, I'm going to assume that there's probably at least two more episodes left, at least, so... But we'll figure it out, man. We'll figure it out. Um, again, everyone, um, the Steam Machine Podcast uh, Everything that you want for the show is there. Uh, like I said earlier, the the, the Discord, uh, the Facebook, the Twitter, uh, the YouTube. That's actually I don't even think I have YouTube linked on there because I just haven't been uploading the stuff to that. Um, the if you like the intro song, hey, I made that. You can go buy the album that that came out on um, on Bandcamp. Um, 
And uh, Nate, go ahead and plug your stuff. Buddy. Yeah, man. Like I said, probably kind of sub sub plugged it a couple times during this um, recording session. Anyway, but you can find me on Twitch on twitch.tv slash turtlebearman and same username on Twitter. And Willie, I'm going to jump out on a limb and say that you haven't streamed or tweeted since the last episode, right? No, but I, I might play some Mario 2 on stream because that's the uh, Tadpog game of the week or game of the month, and that might be fun. Yeah, shout out Tadpog, Taiwan Day Play Games. Those guys rock. Taiwan Day Play Games, great podcast, great community. Love those fools to death. Uh, but yeah, if you want to find me on Twitch or Twitter for some reason, it's at uh, Icebrand Studios. Boom. No underscore, just all together. Well, uh, I think that about does it for this week's episode of the Steam Machine Podcast, man. Um, this is, again, the, the year anniversary. And what better way than to talk about one of my favorite JRPGs with two of my favorite peeps. So, like, I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, and here's to many more years. Uh, as always. Happy birthday, Steamy. Yeah, happy birthday, <laughs> Steamy. Uh, he's Nate, he's Willie, I'm Dalton. As always, guys, take it easy. <laughs>